Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that gets you inside the building, NRG Stadium. Yeah, we're here doing shows from now until the end of time on your Houston Texans. Players on a break, rookies here, players still working out, of course. Training camp gets underway in late July. We can't wait. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. We're going to do numerous things today, including going over Johnny's article about five things to watch during training camp. We'll also pick two divisions that the Texans are playing against, the NFC East and the AFC West, and we'll go around the league as well. I know there's other news breaking today, but what do you want us to say about that? We're all waiting for the same thing here. It does affect the Texans because draft choices are coming back based on the finish of the team they traded with in the blockbuster deal this offseason. That would be the Cleveland Browns. But that's all I can say about that right now. How are you doing, Johnny? Yeah, that's essentially it. Yep. That's it, really. That's it. The rest of it's all legal situation. We just wait to see how many day, how many games uh, will Deshaun Watson be suspended and how does it impact the Browns in 2022 and 23 right. for the drafts of 2023 and 2024. That's all that matters. Okay. That's really all that matters. So, that, so when the Browns come in here, that could be a double whammy for us. That could be a double win for us because we win, we beat them, knock them down, well, I mean, I shouldn't say knock them down. Move them up the draft order just by beating them. So it's a double whammy for us. Yes. We can do that. Very cool. All right. Uh, we're going to go around the league later, but is there anything less believable in the world than Rob Gronkowski's latest retirement? Oh, boy. I mean, I'm sure there are some things. I am not going to say anything about politicians. I'm not, yeah. not going to say that. I saw somebody's tweet. I think it was Tom Pelissaros tweeted it. It said retirement scoreboard. Rob Gronkowski two, Tom Brady one. Yeah, I mean that's it. It's like a boxer now. When it got so comical with the yeah. boxers after a while, like really, you're retiring. And I get it with the boxers. Oh, absolutely. And I get it with the football players too, in a in a sense, because as they get older, the yeah. amount of training you need to do just to get back to the starting line in September. So it's not going to shock anybody if Gronk comes back, including his agent, yeah. who. Pointed out that, yeah, it could happen. Brady could call him. He could yeah. see it. Plausible. Sure. Why not? Did you – and have you watched Man in the Arena? I haven't watched that, and I'm really upset at myself as I say that right now because I keep forgetting to. It's one of those things where it's like when you used to go to the video store mm -hmm. and you had all these movies you wanted to see, right. but you forgot what they were when you went to the video store. Right. This is back in the day, kids, when we had video stores. I don't quite feel that way on TV because it's just somehow easier to peruse and yes. remember these things. But, yeah, I need to watch Man in the Arena. One of the things that comes up in Man in the Arena, and I think it's something that you and I have talked about, but it was interesting to hear an NFL player and a player of Rob Gronkowski's stature talk about how beat up he was. Mm. He went into, and I think it may have been the last, so they did every single – Super Bowl year, not winning, just Super Bowl year of Tom Brady. And they hadn't done year 10 when he went with the Buccaneers. I thought that one was fairly enlightening. So they talked to Gronk during that one. I believe it was during that one. And he went through why he had actually retired. He said his, they got through with the, ninth, the 18th season when he won a Super Bowl. And he makes that catch down the seam, and then they end up scoring a touchdown a little bit later. And they win that game, and he's like, he knew he was done. He walked off the field. He's like, I, ca I can't do this. My body is just beat to you know what. He sits out 2019, and then in 2020, Tom goes down to Tampa Bay and calls him, and he's like, you know what, my body started feeling better. Yeah, I'll go down and do it. That's, it, it seems logical, 
But that's the one thing that these guys go through so much playing this game that, man, you get through a 17-game season and you tack on playoffs. You don't want first, you don't want to go through training camp. You don't want to go through all that stuff. But, yeah, you want me down a stretch or you want me to show up during the regular season, I'll be there. Those guys are beat up so much. And, it, yeah. and look, a five-game – if he plays five games at the end of the year. He can get beat up just as much as playing 10 games. So I don't know about timing or whatever, but doesn't have to go through training camp. He's sitting out there. Tom needs him. I think for the Buccaneers, it kind of – I don't want to say it stinks for the Buccaneers, but they O.J. Howard ended up going to Buffalo. That's going to be interesting. Now Gronk reti- retires. Brady if, loves to have his tight end, so if Cam they- Brady, get ready. If they thought Gronk was going to be there from the get-go, shame on did. them. I'm not even close to the situation, and I wouldn't count on that. Yeah. And, look, they'll take him because he comes in handy later on. And I think as far as the guys who retire young, and he's not young in a football sense either. He's been around for a no, while been, now, yeah. Yeah. Rob Gronkowski. But guys who have to go through a lot of long rehab, which he has had to do. Yes. I believe that that has a wear and tear effect mentally having to do that all over again. That's why JJ blows me away that he keeps doing it because he's had to do it so many times. And within a season to get back for the postseason has done that twice. Semi-miraculously, man, to have to do that over and over again, I think it wears on you. I don't want to get off on a tangent on this aspect, but I actually was thinking about this the other day. I don't know why. I got to thinking about how much longer do you think JJ plays? It wouldn't have shocked me had he retired this year, right. this offseason. Yeah, I was thinking Would same. not have shocked me at all. I think it could be any minute almost. Yeah. But, you know, he understands life very well. Right. You know, I'm not saying other guys don't necessarily, but you know that J.J. does. Yeah. And he knows that when it's over, it's over. You're not going to be that guy anymore. You're right. going to be the former guy, the former great defensive end, the former great pass rusher. Right. And – one of the best in the history of this game, no question, but he still has a chance to add to the legacy, right. add to the sack total, maybe get a ring, possibly, yep. possibly. No one's picking the Cardinals to do that this year, but, hey, you never know. No one picked the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl last year, so it's all out there. All right, here's what I want to do today. Let's go over, first, your article. It's way too early for training camp, yes. but you wrote this on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app, and everybody should look at it. Five things to watch during Texans camp. And I'm going to go in reverse order because I like this question a lot. You know I do. Who is the breakout player we didn't see coming? Last year, it was Roy Lopez. Later round draft choice. I had him in a Vandermock, as we all know. You and I saw him his first day on campus that we could actually look there out of the field. Mm -hmm. And we were like, that dude is big. Yeah. I don't know if he can play, but he's big. The way he's built looks like he possibly can, and he certainly can. That was cool. 2016, A.J. Boye broke out big. That was really cool. He was around here before, yeah. but he had a great camp marking DeAndre Hopkins. I use the soccer terminology. Good one. Marking DeAndre Hopkins yep. very well in camp, and then guarding, I'll use the basketball term this time. How about that? Travis Kelsey in week two, and the Texans beat the Chiefs here in a really hard-fought, hard-hitting game at NRG Stadium. Of course, Thursday night they lost to the Patriots 27 to nothing, and Jacoby Brissett, we can get to him later. But A.J. Boyer, once upon a time, was that guy. Another once upon a time guy was Dylan Cole. So, Johnny, you didn't predict who the breakout guy was, but you said that's something to watch for. Who's going to be the breakout player in the 2022 Texans camp? Yeah, you can think about this a, a couple of ways in that, you know, could it be somebody that's been here for a year or two that 
you know, has been off the beaten path or just hasn't clicked yet. The one name that I really would like for this to be very clearly is Russ Blacklock to Ooh. really, truly break out. And that's the thing when people are like, well, you know, Russ has started, you know, he's played the last couple of years, but I mean, I'm talking break out. Like we're watching games and 90 is making plays consistently. Right. Hard to take him out of the game. Yes. Consistently. Like they're rotating guys up front and somehow he's staying in the game because they just can't afford to take him off because of the plays that he's making. That's the kind of breakout that I I want to see him have. Now, Roy was – I mean, he was a draft pick, so you kind of assumed Roy was going to have an opportunity. The other way I look at a breakout player is, is there a player that nobody else is talking about channel, channeling uh, in the loop, Landry and John? Nobody's talking about guy. Who's the guy that nobody's talking about? And it's a guy that we noticed – that the, both Nick and Lovey have mentioned, and that's Darius Jet Anderson, running back, mm. with some – I mean, his nickname is Jet. And there's a reason for that because dude from Fort Bend County can fly. So maybe he's a breakout guy, a guy that's off the beat. So I look at it kind of two different ways. The breakout player I'd like for it to be is Ross Blacklock, the player that I think could come out of nowhere and find a role on this team is Darius Jed Anderson. He is really, really fun to watch. And we went through camp last year. And if we were watching camp last year, the running backs, we all knew a lot of the vets. But who was it every day where we were looking at each other going, hey, man, Dontrell Hilliard's pretty darn good. Like, he's making some plays. Like, he's doing some really good things in camp. And then we got to face him later in the year as he's playing with the Tennessee Titans doing some good things. I don't know if you would say he broke out, but he kind of did because he was kind of behind a bunch of, bunch of guys that have played a lot in the league. But he was making his name every day, and then when he got an opportunity to go to the Titans and do something, man, he did some good things for the Titans. So from that perspective, I think it's two different ways of looking at it. The breakout to me that I want to see, that if Ross Blacklock breaks out, oh, boy. But Darius Jane Anderson could come from out of, well, nobody really knows this guy's name, to, hey, we really like watching number 30. Can we get him the ball in these preseason games and see what he can do? And then maybe that leads to making the team and doing something on a regular regular basis during the regular season. I kind of like Philip Dorsett also. Yep. Even though he's been around the league, he's been with the Colts, he's been with the Patriots, he's here. But he knows that he's got to shine here. Yeah. He wants to make the team, obviously, so. but he has to shine. He wants to be the receiver they always thought he could be when they got him out of the University of Miami. So we'll see how this goes when the Colts got him. Here's another one I, we think, have him. I think you could throw into that group. Depending on how you perceived Brevin Jordan last year, First half of the year, he didn't play, uh, was inactive for the first seven, eight games. Then he gets in the lineup over the last eight, nine games and did some things, showed some of the things that he could do. But if he breaks out, what does that entail? Probably 70, 75 catches, 850, 900 yards, handful of touchdowns. Oh, that's huge. That would be massive in this particular offense. But you're That'd talking awesome. about camp first and foremost. This was an article about camp, so right, right. he's going to have to really show out during camp. But, yes. look, during OTAs, he's hard not to notice out no, there. That's very true. He makes plays. Brevin Jordan, second year now, tight end. Where? University of Miami. Thank you. The defensive line menagerie is number four. 17 defensive linemen on the roster. We're going to be watching the rotation. There are a lot of people to sift through here. There will be injuries. There will be other situations. But you've been talking about this from the get-go. Yeah. This is an interesting group. They found way to, ways to get pressure last year. Not always sacks, but pressure last year for some bad throws. They were top third in the league in takeaways because these guys all played hard. They kept them fresh. 
And it's going to be interesting to find out how they figure out who that final eight yeah. are. That's the thing to me that's the, as I started thinking about there's 17 guys. Yeah. And you start in your mind thinking, okay, well, is an undrafted rookie going to make the roster? Maybe. You know, it's Kurt Heinisch from out of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Is he going to make the roster? And I say that just uh, – I know what, what I'm about to say, but, you know, you say that just because he's undrafted, and, you know, what are you going to do? Kurt Heinisch could play. I watched him at Notre Dame and liked him. And not only that, we were talking to uh, – I think it was Lovey Smith. I think it was Lovey who mentioned Kurt Heinisch. And yeah. I just – I remember making note. Whoa, okay. Because that's a guy I thought, man, he could play. But you yeah. think going in with 17 guys, how's an undrafted free agent going to make it like Kurt Heinisch? Like Double D Daniels, how is he going to make it from out of Nebraska? Those undrafted guys, they're not going to make it, are they? Are they? But then you watch them and you go, man, they're pretty, pretty good. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to sift through that whole group. I, I really don't. Again, because of the collisions that go on up front, there are going to be some injuries that kind of do that for you to a degree. But there are going to be some guys like last year. There are going to be some guys, when they get cut, they end up going somewhere else um, and, and doing some good things somewhere else. I just think that's the that's the depth that they have up there. The key to all this is those vets that you sign, Rasheem Green and Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes. You get value out of those three guys. I mean, that's three of eight right there. Now, Rasheem can bounce inside, outside. That's three of eight right there if those guys all stick. How do you then get through everybody else? I'm going to read you some names. Roy Lopez, Malik, mm-hmm. Ross, yep. Rasheem Green, John Grenard, Thomas Booker, Jerry Hughes, Booker. Addison. Yeah. That's eight right there. That's eight. I mean, Jordan Jenkins. I could list the guys that we have not named. Did you name Oboe? I did not name Oboe. And he's got to be named. Right. He's got to be in this eight. Obezi, Jordan Jenkins. Uh, Damone Harris off the edge, who oh, we saw for a little bit last they're year. They're going to be some tough cuts here. They're, it's I didn't be, even name Heinish. Yeah, and Heinish is a guy um, that I think, you know, Derek Rivers has been banged up a little bit in OTAs. We saw him. So it's one of those positions that, to me, is really worth watching in those preseason games become so incredibly massive. Yeah. There are going to be guys getting reps in the third and fourth quarter of preseason games who might, Right. Factor in big. Right. I'm not saying necessarily starting, but big time rotational contribution. Yep. And because you have 17 guys to sift through. Yes. And like you said, injuries, whatnot. But, yeah, we've just named a whole lot of guys on that D-line. Okay. Your number three thing to watch during training camp, Johnny, in this article on HoustonTexans.com, which running back takes charge? Again, you're not answering these questions. You're throwing this out there. I'm going to give you an answer here as far as what I want to see from this person. I want it to be very clear. I know you need committee, but I want it to be very clear that somebody's going to be a big-time difference maker yep. in the regular season or at least has that potential. We know they have the potential on paper. We saw some flashes of things during OTAs, and you mentioned Jed Anderson. Yep. Of course, everyone wants to take a look at Pierce, DP. You want to take a look at Pierce. Uh, Royce Freeman's still around. Rex Burkhead's still here, obviously. Uh, and it's interesting that they only recently waved Scotty Phillips off IR yeah, uh, because that was sort of a forgotten man in all this, but he's not in the equation. But it's a really great question. Who's going to be the take charge guy? There's not a 30-carry guy on this roster yeah. on a regular basis. Nobody has that really other right. than you-know-who and you-know-who. Two yeah. teams in our division, thank you. Right. But 25, 30 carries. But there's a, a leader somewhere, and you have to find that leader. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a part of this I really like, and a part of this – then I'm uh, like I said, I want to see which running back sort of steps up. And I 
always whenever I think of this, I always go back to 2010. And I remember I remember it was during actually it happened in OTAs. But Ben Ben was drafted in oh Ben Tate was that drafted in 2010. Yeah. So in OTAs and I remember the first OTA I ended up going to and I'm watching the running backs. And I had seen Arian play for two years or two games in 2009. Mm-hmm. Thought he was really good. And there had been a lot of talk that offseason, like, ooh, are they going to draft the running? They got to draft the running back, man. They got you we, can't count on Arian. Can't to count be on drafting free agent, right? right? Can you? And that was the question. So they went ahead and drafted Ben Tight, uh, Ben Tight, Ben Tate, and brought him in and thought, okay, he's going to be. And I'll never forget from the first carry of that first practice. First reception at practice all the way through. I remember going back to my radio station at the time, and they were like, oh, what would you think? And I said, well, I'll tell you this. It was a mistake drafting Ben Tate. And they were oh, like, why? You're so brutal. And I, I said, well, I don't know if it was a mistake. I said, it's going to end up being a pretty good one-two combination, but Tate is clearly second. And they are like, what? I said, Foster. I said, Foster's ridiculous. I said, this guy, wow. You get that guy. That guy's going to be outstanding. And he just stood out. He just you took charge, if you will. He changed yeah. numbers. He went to number 23. He looked sleek. He was quick. Everything he did just looked different from every other running back that was on the roster at that particular time. And I just thought, there's no question. He's that guy. I didn't think he was going to go out in the Colts and go for two bills the first game. I didn't think that. But I thought, he's clearly the guy here right now, no doubt. It's, it's no doubt. Of course, Ben gets hurt that year. And Arian's got to carry more of the load. Ben came back in 2011, and then they were able to – team up and still Arian was still that guy you could mm-hmm. tell I watch these guys I can't tell a I don't want to say I can't tell a difference but I don't know who is that guy it's not as clear as Arian's that and guy. you could see it in OTAs the body language yes. the way they responded yes. at least he had a year under his belt you know Pierce doesn't have that Anderson right. really doesn't have that right uh, you know, obviously Rex does, but we know what Rex is to this team at right. this point. He's more than he's not the bell cow running back. He's somebody who can certainly spot start right. uh, and help you and play special teams and certainly get carries for you. Be productive. Yep. There's no doubt. He's a tough, hard runner, but he's not going to be that main guy. Royce Freeman is interesting Very. because can he recapture the form of his rookie year? It's possible. It's possible that he has enough tread on the tire to help this football team more than people can imagine. Yes, he's thick. We did. We had an interview with Royce uh, on media days. He came in here. Had a really fun time talking to him um, because he's from he's from like an hour and a half away from San Diego. So I was talking about the trip I took out there a couple of years ago and bringing my my car out there and all like. Anyways, we're talking about that and really had a good time talking to him. But as I'm talking to him, I'm like, man, he's thick. You see him on the field, he's a thick guy. But if there's a guy, if there's a guy that you I I'm forced, hey, who was the number one? Like who's the guy coming out of out of camp at running back? I probably just said Marlon Mack. I think Marlon showed a lot, but you hold back because he's coming off of an Achilles, running back off of an Achilles, you never know. But he's two years removed from it. So you hope at that point, okay, two years removed. He's going to be okay. And he, he alluded to that when he talked with us, the fact that, yeah, he feels that much better physically. That's the only thing that holds me back is, is that. If he wasn't coming off an Achilles, but he just got stuck behind Jonathan Taylor, I'd say, yeah, that's, that's it for sure. Mm-hmm. But what I saw during OTAs, I felt like if I had to pick, it would be, it would be close because I think all the backs showed something and showed some positives. But I think Marlon Mack would be that number one. 
and I'd be curious to see what he would do against his former team. Well, how any running back looks is going to tie into your number one thing to watch during training camp. But we have number two before we get to that in this article from HoustonTexans.com. And number two is Derek Stingley Jr. playing football, meaning we didn't see him do a ton. We saw him do some things during OTAs, but they're bringing him back from the foot, and we all want to watch him play yes. and be out there in coverage and see what he can do. And he's been pretty visible. He just did a thing with the rookies at the Houston Texans YMCA yesterday, yep. uh, and some of that is up on the Texans social media channels. I did a Zoom with him with some people who won an auction with the number one what the number one pick for the Texans, yeah, yeah. number three overall, it was Stingley, and they were LSU fans. Oh, boy. And it was Pamela Irby and her husband Thomas, and Pamela was out in Vegas and got to go on stage with Goodell oh, wow. and announce a pick. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. And she was out there with a bunch of diehard Texans fans, and Stingley was in Vegas but not at the draft party, right. so it was just kind of interesting, and Stingley could not have been better. Yeah, yeah. And he was fun at this Houston Texans YMCA thing, which I know these two things are the most important things to everyone listening. No, they're not. What's most important to everyone listening is how's he going to look on the field? We want to see it. But, Johnny, he said things in this call, I don't mind sharing this, that really intrigued me, the way his process works, looking at the quarterback. He described some of the nuances of the way he handled things in college, and I just thought this guy's got a sharp mind. He's going to be, and he's obviously outstanding athletically. He's going to be good. He's going to be good. He's going to put the time in, the work in. Just got to get healthy, and let's see him in camp. I'm about to say something that I know. I know exactly what you're going to say. Okay. Do you want to read the last sentence of what I wrote? The very, very last sentence of what I wrote. About Stingley? uh, Derek Stingley, basically number two, is Derek Stingley playing football. I, I love watching this guy play. I loved him at LSU. Do you have that last sentence? Yes. It says, all eyes will be on him due to his draft slot, but I just love to watch him match and mirror and compete for the rock. I wonder if... There it is. Read that last one. I wonder if, nah, I'll stop there for now. Well, you know what the plan was in 2021, right? The plan in 2021 When he was at LSU before the foot injury? What was the plan? Well, I mean, there's Justin Jefferson. There's Jamar Chase. There's uh, Terrace Marshall. I mean, they did have Keyshawn Butte, but... I thought that maybe Derek Stingley might play some offense at LSU. I'm not saying that's happening. Oh, boy. That would be I'm not saying that's happening. Two-way player. But could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine what happens if if they pulled that out? Now, I don't think they would do it as a rookie, especially coming off the foot injury. I think they would want him, like, you focus here. Mm -hmm. But as the year goes on, if he's making some plays or – Maybe teams aren't throwing at him going, you know what? We don't want to throw at this guy. And they want to get him involved in some way, shape, or form. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I, I really am not. I'll tell you all. what. If he checks into the game on offense, he's attracting a lot of attention. Wait a minute. Right. What's he going to do? They must be going to him right. if they bring him into the game. There's a lot, there's a lot, that, could, there's a lot that could be there. But that was, that was the talk. In fact, he alluded to it. I think it was at SEC Media Days in 2021. He was wearing number seven, and the thought was, you know, wearing number seven. A lot of guys at LSU wore that. It's a big, that's a big number. You know, Leonard Fournette wore it. Uh, Tyron wore it. Uh, Patrick Peterson, I think, was the first one to go to number seven and wear it. Mm-hmm. So it became a big number to wear, and so he's going to wear number seven. And there was like, yeah, you know, maybe flop over on the offensive side and, and uh, go run some routes and do some things on the offensive side of the ball. And I thought, wow. Yeah. Now, again, he's a rookie, so I, would, my, I think my heart would feel better 
if you just defense, master it, yes. get it down, year two. I think Lovey's heart will feel better, too. Yeah. Let's play that. around. And that's the other part of this, too, is the head coach is yeah. defensive play caller. So when he looks out there on offense and he sees his star corner, like, oh, man. But when's the last time we had a player in the NFL? No, we've had players that could do it. Right. When's the last time we saw a player in the NFL that actually did play even both ways. portions, even like a handful of plays both ways? I remember them trying to figure out what to do with Devin Hester. And yeah, you know there was who was that. there during that time. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. Well, the one guy I can think of. Mm-hmm. Well, there's two guys I can think of. I remember Hop playing defense in Hail Mary situations. Yeah, Hail Mary situations. Here. Um, remember Troy Brown, wide receiver? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you know who also played defense for a little while, too? Was Julian Edelman. That's right. Well, they, we know they, who was there during that time, and we have him here. So yes. there's that. Yeah, you said that. All right, and quickly, the number one thing here that you want to see or that is a thing to watch during yep. training camp in your article on HoustonTexans.com, offensive line physicality. Yes, this is going to tell you a whole lot, how that D-line really does look, how the linebackers look, yep. and, of course, which running back can take charge because something happens. There's an electricity. There's a chemistry. Something happens when you get the pads on and you see these running plays when they go full on. Let's go goal line here. This yep. is going to be smash mouth. We want to see who's more physical. And, yes, with George Warhop in the building, this is definitely something to watch, maybe the thing to watch. And, obviously, everything feeds into that. Yeah, and I think with, again, going back to Lovey Smith being the head coach, defensive-minded, playing physical on that side of the ball, being disruptive. I mean, matching that on offense. I mean, look, you got you got to run and throw for as many yards as you possibly can. So, however you do it, I don't really care. I don't care if this is the most finesse offense we've ever seen. I just, A, don't think it's going to be. And, B, I don't think that offensive line will have finesse in them. I think there's an opportunity to, with some of the things they're doing, just watching what they were doing, I think they're going to have to bring up their physicality to be able to run the ball the way that they want, to be as diverse in the run game. But I think they have the pieces up front to do that. Mm-hmm. They just got to do it. You know, it's one of those things. Well, yeah, they're there. Now they just got to do it. Well, okay, let's do it. Um, and this is that time. And those running backs, I think, obviously, will appreciate that. But those five up front, and we don't know that five are going to be. I think we know that Laramie and Titus will be on the outside. I think we have that down. Justin Britt center, more than likely. Uh, we we think Kenya Green, uh, hopefully he's going to be fully healthy for training camp, and he will step into one of those guard spots, we think. A.J. Can, the other one, I guess. I don't know. So, But it's not set in stone yet. And don't forget about Don't Forget About Me guy. Yeah. And that would be uh, Max Sharping. Max Sharping, absolutely. Yeah. No so. doubt. Justin McCray. Don't forget about Justin McCray. Yeah, what there about guys, him? There are guys with a lot of snaps. You know, Charlie yeah. Heck has started 13, 14 right. games for He wants team. to play, too. Yeah. All right. Check out Johnny's article, HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. Coming up, we're going to go full-on Athlon, Lindy's, Dave Campbell. Let's pick two divisions the Texans are playing, NFC East and AFC West. We'll do that next here on Texans Radio. Keeping your company on a Tuesday, drive home or wherever you're going or listening. Great to have you with us on Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Johnny, the Texans will play the AFC West and the NFC East this year. And we're going to go Lindy's. Athlons, maybe Dave Campbell. We're going to go preseason mag style here and pick the divisions. By the way, pre-internet, I used to inhale these magazines. I still get them. 
athlons and Lindy's. You do. It's kind of cool because they, they summarize everything. You have them in the written form in your hands. It's just different than looking things up online. I kind of like that. Uh, but here we go. All right. Which shall we start with first? Let's just go with the NFC East, which might be the weirdest division in football. Yes. I'm going to go weirdest. And I think leading the way in the weirdishness is the Washington Commanders having Carson Wentz as their quarterback. Good. This is a team that went 7-10 and 10 last year. Yeah. With Wentz playing as well as he did last year at times, I know that's right. a lot to ask for, they could surprise some people within that division, yes. and then who knows? They really could. This could be the surprise team in the league, perhaps. You flip that 7-10 and 10 to 10-7, and 7, that's the same record that the Bengals had last year, and they went to the Super Bowl. So I'm picking Washington. No, I'm not. I would not do that. But – I think Washington sort of paints the picture of how strange this division can be. Things they've got to focus on. First of all, Wentz has got to play. It's not so much mistake-free, but he's got to play idiot-free. He can't do idiotic things like throwing left-handed interceptions in his own red zone. I mean, he's got to do smart things with the football. Yeah, They've got to get Terry McLaurin his contract and get that thing worked out. Chase Young has to be fully healthy, and it sounds like he is. Um, and then they've got to make sure that that secondary is uh, halfway decent. And I don't know if they're all the way there with that secondary. They loaded up offensively with Jahan Dotson because they weren't sure about McLaurin. Mm-hmm. And I like Dotson. I think Dotson-McLaurin could be a good team, uh, good connection. But this all comes down to Wentz. Will they protect him? Is that offensive line going to be good enough? They lost Brandon Sheriff, all-pro guard. So he's finally out of the building. So is that offensive line good enough to protect Wentz? Will Wentz play idiot-free? And are they healthy enough on the front? Because that defensive front could be stout. The defensive yeah. the defensive front with Montez Sweat and Chase Young and Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen is one of the best ones in the league. But secondary hasn't been great. And those guys didn't all play well at the same time last year. So I think they could be a surprise. But it just can Wentz not kill himself. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a massive issue. Antonio Gibson's running back is one of the better ones in the league. I wanted us to draft him a couple of years ago. I think he is a he's a tremendous weapon for them. I, I think Washington's kind of lying in the weeds. And if Wentz does play well, that's a division they absolutely can win. So will you pick the Cowboys to finish first in this division, yes or no? They went 12-5 and five last year. If I remember right, NFC East champion has not repeated year after year since back in the 90s, I think. I think it's always been a different team. That's wild. Well, let me give you a number from last year. I have a team in mind that I was going to pick. All right, so the Cowboys were 6-0 in the division. I mean, that's huge to get 12 wins. You know, you go 4-2 and and feel pretty decent about your divisional record and have 10 wins. Yeah. So there's that. They're not going 6-0 in the NFC East this year. Not with Philly doing what they've done. I don't think with Washington doing what they've done, the Cowboys are not going 6-0 in the division. No, I don't think so. In fact, the team that I think is going to win it is Philadelphia. Okay. And I don't, I'm, I, don't have a, I don't have a conviction. Mm. Like, I'm going to pound the table. If Philadelphia Eagles, I'm not going to Vegas and put $100 on the Eagles. I'm not going to do that. But I just feel like with the Cowboys, they're always a ticking time bomb. Yeah. They, they really are. And when it, they're, they're, really, they're really like a, a fine-tuned – Italian sports car that if if it's off just a widget, then it can, the whole thing can go to Hades. It's got to be everything in sync, perfect, and then like, whoa. That's the way that, that Cowboys team feels. Feels like a front-runner team to me. Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah. That's absolutely what it is. So for that reason, I just can't get behind the Cowboys. It's really hard. But as far as talent mm-hmm. in the division, holy smokes. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, that team is that team is loaded. Philly loaded. comes here. Washington yeah. comes here. Tickets at HoustonTexans.com. Ticketmaster. So those two teams come here. You're on the road against the Giants. So you're going to pick the Eagles to win it. The Eagles Giants last? Are we Giants safe last. to say Giants last? So Giants Daniel last. Jones, they don't pick up the fifth-year option, and they still believe in him. Wait, what? Yeah. That doesn't make sense to me. Well, we've talked about this a lot. I've heard a lot of people talk about, from a from a Texas perspective, why did the Texans not draft a quarterback this year? First of all, you saw what happened. There was one first-rounder, and there were a bunch of third-rounders. There's no sense in doing that. And as we've talked about, and I've said this before, Look, if, if this Texans team has a really – if they struggle in 2022, then more than likely Davis has struggled, and then the 2023 class of quarterbacks is really, really good. You can go get a rookie then. I think the Giants looked at it that way. Let me they throw said, this one at you. We're going to do this for a year with, with Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. and we'll get some other – we got two top ten picks. We'll get Thibodeau. We'll get Neal. That'll be the foundation to start, uh, along with Andrew Thomas, Leonard Williams, et cetera. And if – Jones doesn't get it done. We're going to finish top four again, and we're going to get one of these quarterbacks, and away we go. Well, don't you want to know what Brian Dable said in the room when they interviewed him and what he's saying now about Daniel Jones? I want to know that. Behind closed doors. I can fix him. So it's Gary Kubiak with David Carr in 2006 kind of thing? I have a feeling. That's the first thing that popped into my head when you asked me about it. Yeah. Because you can't – it's kind of a no-lose situation, right? And I'm not saying this is the way Gary and the way that Brian Dable look at it, but they go, I can fix him. And if I can't, I'm going to get I another can't, chance. It's his fault. But if I do, <laughs> then look. Right. So it's really kind of a no-lose situation to say this. Such. As long as the Giants' ownership is patient with Dable and allows him to well get another shot yeah. with somebody else, at least for a few years. Because if you draft somebody, we all know it's not going to be year one in all likelihood. You're going to have to wait it out. Daniel Jones, we've seen him make some plays. We've also seen him turn it over a ton. I've mentioned this before. If Barkley can turn into the Barkley that everyone yeah. thought, that would be something for yes, them. It would be. I, I don't know outside of Barkley. I mean, look, I've always been a Sterling Shepard fan. I remember uh, interviewing him at the Senior Bowl and just fell in love with the guy. I was hoping that we were going to end up with him here in Houston. So I cheer for him. But outside of that, you know, look, Kadarius Tony could be special, but – Oh, man, off the field. You just never know with that guy. Um, and so you just kind of – you're always kind of like on edge. I feel like if they can get Tony on board this year and they can find something with Barkley, give him another two-year extension to keep him there, that if things don't go well with Jones, bring in a young quarterback with Barkley and Kadarius Tony and Sterling Shepard at least to start, you've got something, and then Dayball can start you know, building around him. And look, Joe Shane's is GM. They came from Buffalo together. They're a package deal like Gary Kubiak and, and Rick were in some sense many, many years ago. So, And I think the Giants, I think it was John Mara who said, you know what, I don't know that we, we have done this right at the head coach GM position. So I think they've got a little bit of latitude. So I think even mm-hmm. if it doesn't work, okay, you guys knew it. We found out Daniel Jones wasn't fixable. We got to go get our quarterback. And they'll be drafting the top three or four, and they get their quarterback. You mentioned the whole Mills thing and why the Texans didn't draft a quarterback or weren't going to this year. Let me throw this one at you. What if Mills, this past draft, having done what he did last year, Mm -hmm. was thrown into the draft miraculously? Where's he going? 
I think he would have gone ahead at Pickett. I think he would have been QB one. Okay. I think he would have been QB one. I mean, based on that alone, you're on the right track. Right. But it's also based on you're a bunch a of other ahead. things. You're a year ahead of you. That. You really are. You've played right. him in the NFL. Right. He was going to go in the first round this year, and if even if he went in the second round, you would have been excused for not drafting Pickett at number three overall, right? right? If right. Mills had stayed at Stanford, and the rest is history. Exactly. Okay. All right. We have to do the AFC West. We'll do that next here on Texans Radio. All right, final look at things tonight here on Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you as we're picking the divisions the Texans are playing, other than the AFC South, of course, but the NFC East and the AFC West. Johnny, let's go AFC West now, and I just don't want to go one, two, three, four here. I want to know who you're going to pick last in this division. Who will be the last place team in the AFC West? The Chargers, as we know, missed the playoffs. They couldn't beat the Raiders or tie the Raiders in their last game. They went 9-8. and eight. One of those losses against the Houston Texans, of course. The Broncos, people look at this team in a variety of different ways, but they went 7-10. And And I'm not saying 7-10 is anything to write about. That's what Washington was. We talked about them in our last segment. With Russell Wilson, and I know there are other changes, including a coaching change, but with Russell Wilson on a 7-10 team, that could flip. I'm not saying it will, but it could flip to 10-7. and seven. Chiefs come back to earth a little bit. No Tyreek Hill. What does that do? Oh, my gosh. Kelsey's not a younger guy anymore. Does that affect things? Oh, is the enemy feud, is that for real, or is that just an article that we all read and was quickly dismissed? And the Raiders, with all their improvements. This is a tough nut to crack, the AFC West. It's a hard one to pick. And to pick last. I feel like the Chargers are the most talented overall team in the division. I feel like the Chiefs, you can never – if they've got Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Kelsey, they'll be fine. So it comes down to the Raiders and the Broncos. And at that point, you look at the Raiders' firepower, and they think, well, you know, defensively they're not the, – oh, man, they've got two of the better edge rushers in the league and Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. So, good grief. But that said, I don't know the Raiders' defense at all three levels is good enough. At least not yet. So I think I'm going to put the Raiders last. But the Raiders are going to win some shootouts because their offensive firepower is just ridiculous. But I don't know defensively if they're all the way there yet. The Chargers, I think, are good on all three levels on defense. I don't think the Chiefs are great defensively. But Mahomes carries them. And they've been there. The Broncos, you said it. The Broncos are the X factor to me. I... It's not so much that I'm not sold on Russell Wilson, but I just don't know. It's a new quarterback. It's a new head coach. They've never worked together. So how does that come together? I know they've got a good running game with Javante Williams. Defensively, I feel like they're good at all three levels, but there's something about the Broncos that I just, I don't know, I just I worry about. So I would, I'm sorry, I put the Raiders at three. I put the Broncos at four. Mm-hmm. Broncos. I'm, going, I'm going that way. I just think the firepower for the Raiders – We'll get them a game or two. So Broncos last, Raiders third, Chiefs second, Chargers first. That's the way I would handle it. Broncos points-wise had the best defense in the division last year. And I think the the defense will be – if you put the Broncos defense with the Raiders offense, then I think you're talking about at least one of the top three teams in the league, if not the best team. But I, I just don't – I don't trust the Broncos offense totally yet. And maybe that's just a wait and see on Russell. And not so much you Russell, can't but trust him yet. kind of how it all fits mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Once they find a groove, which hopefully is after week two, fine. 
that's great. But hopefully that happens after week two. And I think that's going to be – that to me is going to be one of the, the national stories this year is teams that have new quarterbacks, be it rookies or veterans, right. especially ones that were traded for. Matt Ryan in Indianapolis, how does that merger go? Carson Wentz with the Commanders, how does that go? Russell Wilson with the Broncos. You know, how does that – how do those – how does that all work together with new people they're unaccustomed to, to being with that they – have gone a decade in the league or a decent amount of time in the league, and now they've got to deal with a new play caller, new offense coordinator, new offense. How does that go? And I think those three teams could be in the mix. If one of those quarterbacks steps up and they show it early, then the Broncos could be trouble. But I just don't – I think it's going to take them a little bit longer than the others. That's why this league – another reason why this league is so phenomenal. Because look at this division. Look at the storylines. Wilson and the Broncos. The Raiders with everything they did. McDaniels leading the Raiders. Yeah. How does that play in with yeah. the Patriot-like culture, right. if it is a, indeed like that, in Las Vegas yeah. with that team? How's that going to go? The Chargers are the Chargers, and Herbert is electric. And then you have the Chiefs, and they're the Chiefs. There's so much to watch just in that division alone, storyline-wise. You know, it's interesting. When the NFL was making its decision about what they were going to do, where the Raiders were going to go, were they going to put teams in L.A. and all that, and I remember thinking, man, you know what? Why put teams out in L.A., man? L.A. doesn't really care about that. They don't no. really – it doesn't really matter. But then you look out on the West Coast now, and you've got both teams in L.A. that are outstanding with – surefire star power mm -hmm. um you know the teams we just talked about all in that division it's like the west is just tremendous it's the complete opposite than it is in college football college football is all southeast and the east i mean it's all over on the east coast right the nfl you look at the nfc and afc west you could do an nfl 100 of just those eight teams right and come pretty darn close i'm curious to see how many of those teams get players in the, when the NFL network does it in the NFL 100 because they put those two teams in L.A. and it's like, man, holy smokes. Those divisions are inc incredible uh, in both the NFC and AFC. So thankfully we're only playing one of them this year, um, but it's going to be such a tough nut to crack playing those four teams. I like what you said about the West Coast. I just wish the Chargers were still in San Diego. That's I all. do too. I wish somehow, some way they could get a stadium done in that city, keep that team in that city, I never wish for the Rams to remain in St. Louis. Sorry, St. Louis people, but definitely the Chargers in San Diego. It just seemed right to have them there. Johnny, thanks a lot. Yeah, Mark, thank you. All right, read Johnny's articles on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app, so check it out there. This show is going to be on the Texans app soon enough. We have podcasts up there as well, ticket information, everything you need to enjoy, to experience your Houston Texans. We'll be back on tomorrow, of course. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.